Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Good Wednesday morning. That powerful storm unleashing its fury overnight. And the next threat is already on the way. Good morning. It's January 10th, and this is today. Breaking overnight, wild weather, heavy rain, flooding streets, high winds causing damage all across the Northeast. In the South, communities picking up the pieces from multiple tornadoes and the Midwest digging out from blizzard conditions. I haven't experienced snow like this in a really long time. Hundreds of thousands without power this morning. Thousands of flights canceled or delayed. We'll have the latest and Al tracking the next cross-country storm. Closing arguments. The Iowa caucuses just five days away. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis set to face off in a debate tonight with frontrunner Donald Trump holding his own town hall. The latest from the trail just ahead, plus Trump's day in court and his extraordinary arguments about why he cannot be criminally prosecuted. As a president, you have to have immunity. Very simple. We'll break it down. Cancer diagnosis. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, under pressure, finally reveals the cause of his secret hospitalization. Why did the White House and the president not know for more than a month? That's not the way this is supposed to happen. Clearly, we could have done better, and we will do better. This morning, what we're learning about his treatment and road to recovery and the political damage control. All that plus today exclusive, an inside look at a new endeavor for one of NASA's most iconic space shuttles. It's incredibly challenging, but it's going to be the most inspiring display. Lifting it into launch position to be the centerpiece of a special museum. Oh, wow, this is cool. We'll take you behind the scenes of a big moment three decades in the making. And bada bing. Mr. Soprano? <clears throat> yeah. Just like that, The Sopranos turns 25. You're not just in my life. You're my life. And fans are ready to celebrate the groundbreaking series that changed television today, Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good Wednesday morning. Nice to have you along with us. Yeah, good to see you. We want to get right to that severe weather overnight. A massive system bringing heavy snow and rain, strong winds, all of it, and tornadoes. We've got a live look for you. This is Upper Marlboro, Maryland this morning. And the cars there stranded by extreme flooding. We've also seen high winds, snapping trees, more than 600,000 people without power this morning from Florida to Maine. Meantime, parts of the Midwest and Great Plains dealing with more than a foot of snow that caused whiteout conditions as well as some frigid temperatures. And that storm turned deadly across the south. At least four people were killed after a string of tornadoes swept through that region. All of that, plus Al already tracking the next cross-country storm. His forecast just ahead, but first NBC's Maggie Vespa in a snowy Des Moines, Iowa again for us. Hey Maggie, good morning. 
Hey, Savannah, good morning. Yeah, an absolutely bone-chilling Des Moines, Iowa as well this morning. We just checked the, uh, checked the temperature right now, 18 degrees with the wind chill in the single digits. Suffice it to say, it's thoroughly refreezing the close to a foot of snow this area got slammed with yesterday. And as you point out, that came from that same massive, devastating system that across the country is impacting millions. From deadly tornadoes in the south and whiteout conditions in the Midwest to a wet and windy washout in the Northeast overnight. This morning, millions nationwide waking up to brutal conditions. The result of a sudden violent winter storm system barreling across the country. Overnight, cities on the East Coast from Maryland to New York to New England drenched by torrential rain. Power outages spreading across the region. Powerful wind gusts causing temporary ground stops at JFK and LaGuardia airports. On Tuesday, a string of winter tornadoes tearing across the southeast, decimating homes and flipping cars like toys. More than 20 twisters reported. I was like, hey, look, y'all need to come on. It's about to get bad. And and they came over and then it got bad. Four people confirmed dead, including one in Alabama struck by a toppled tree and another in North Carolina, where a reported tornado also left four injured. Meanwhile, in the Midwest, residents will be digging out for days. In the Des Moines area, up to a foot of wet, heavy snow falling in 24 hours. How fast did this hit, the snow? Literally overnight. The storm creating dangerous whiteout conditions on the roads and bitterly cold temperatures. I'm from the Midwest, but I haven't experienced snow like this in a really long time. Hundreds of millions of Americans now dealing with a nasty winter wake-up call. And guys, as you talked about, we still have those massive sweeping power outages across the country. More than 600,000 Americans this morning without power. That's largely up and down the East Coast. And crews working as fast as they can to restore that power, knowing another system is on its way that in this area could bring a cold snap, dropping temperatures below zero. Savannah. All right, Maggie Vespa, thank you. I'm Al standing by with the latest on that storm and the new one that's on the way. Hey, That's Al. right, guys. So here comes uh, this one's leaving, exiting. That's the good news. The heaviest rain now offshore New England. And so some snow and heavy rain up through New England and parts of uh, Maine. But out west, here comes the next one. 12 million people under weather, weather advisory, storm watches, warnings, and even blizzard warnings. So for tomorrow, this next winter storm will dive down into the Rockies, bring snow, a blast of really cold air reaches the central plains. We move into tomorrow night. More severe storms possible. Texarkana, Lufkin, Alexandria, just north of Lake Charles. We could be looking at isolated tornadoes, wind gusts, damaging hail of an inch or larger. Friday, blizzard conditions possible from Missouri on into Parts of upper Michigan, more torrential rain moves into the East Coast with an icy mix through western Pennsylvania. And then we move into Friday night. And this is what we're really concerned about. More severe weather and enhanced risk of dangerous tornadoes. Uh, Montgomery, Augusta, right, Atlanta, you're right on that border. Wilmington, also Vidalia. And then we start to push to the north. We are looking at bands of snow circulating around the Great Lakes. The lake effect snow machine is going to start firing up. Powerful winds going to cause power issues, airport delays into the northeast. Rainfall amounts, the heaviest are going to be back through St. Louis so along the Mississippi River Valley. Some heavier showers and thunderstorms making their way into New York. And look at this snow. We're talking about anywhere from 6 to 12 inches of snow in the Great Lakes region. So again, another powerful storm coming in. 
in, and it's going to last right on into the weekend. And as Maggie ben- mentioned, really cold air behind mm-hmm. it. Guys. Yeah. All right, Al, thank you. We turn now to the legal troubles facing Donald Trump. He appeared at a high-stakes court hearing yesterday. His legal team arguing the former president is immune for criminal prosecution for the actions he took in office. And, of course, the 2024 campaign is well underway. The first votes on Monday in Iowa. We've got two reports. We'll start with NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Garrett Haig on the trail. We'll get to you in a minute. So, Laura, let's talk about the arguments yesterday and and how the Trump legal team fared in its quest to say this former president cannot be prosecuted, cannot be criminally charged. The Trump team is facing an uphill batter from these uh, three judges on this panel in D.C. yesterday. I think primarily because they were forced to concede. On the one hand, the president does not have complete immunity for all time under any circumstances. At the same time, forced to concede some pretty dark consequences. If their view were to prevail, one of the judges, Judge Pan, said, would that mean that the president is then allowed to actually assassinate a political rival? Does that mean the president's actually allowed to sell pardons and sell military secrets? And essentially, the attorney for Mr. Trump was forced to concede, yes, the answer is yes, unless that person has been impeached and convicted then that's the only circumstance under which someone could actually be criminal prosecuted. And that's just a fallout I don't think these judges were willing to accept based on their questions yesterday. Extraordinary legal arguments. And the judges really pushed the lawyers to see how far these positions go, as you just explained. So now we await a ruling. The expectation is that it will come fast. What will you be looking looking for in that ruling that will kind of dictate whether this trial happens, whether this goes past the election, how it all plays out. So I predict the ruling is going to come back at lightning speed, maybe even perhaps this week or next. And so people understand these things usually take months and months and months. So we're talking about days and weeks. That's extremely unusual. And it's partly because they recognize the timing here is so important with that March trial date currently set, but really on hold while all this is playing out. So I hate to nerd out with you for just a second, but we have to because it's important in the way that this appeals court styles its ruling. I'm going to be looking for when it says its decision is final, because it might indicate how much time the former president, if he was to lose, has to appeal. And so if they say this is going to become final within five days, unless you appeal, that means he would have to go to the Supreme Court within those five days or do another appeal in front of the full panel of D.C. Circuit. So this can move really fast. We'll be watching to see if it gets fast tracked. OK, Laura, thank you. Of course, all this playing out with the Iowa caucus is just five days away. NBC's Garrett Haig joins us from Des Moines. Garrett has mentioned former President Trump spent the day in court yesterday. So let's talk about this from a political standpoint. Was there a larger strategy there instead of campaigning in Iowa? Yeah, Hoda, Donald Trump didn't have to go to court. He chose to go to court. And that tells you this is something that the Trump team views as a net positive for him. They believe he can go to Washington, D.C. or go to a courtroom in New York later this week and make arguments that somehow the Biden administration is going after him personally, that this is about election interference and that those arguments are just as effectively, if not more effectively delivered in Washington than they would be here in a very snowy Iowa. Now, that said, the former president is coming back to the state tonight. He's got a town hall tonight that he's going to use to try to counter program what could be the final debate, the first one-on-one debate between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis here in Des Moines. Well, Garrett, all this comes as Nikki Haley seems to be gaining momentum in some recent polls, in fact, coming in within single digits of Donald Trump in New Hampshire. So what's driving that? 
Yeah, Hoda, it's been really interesting to watch. We haven't seen a lot of data out of Iowa, but there are those two new polls out of New Hampshire, and they show a little bit of different things. They both show Nikki Haley in a pretty strong second place, one showing her within basically single digits of the former president. That would be a big jump in that state. A lot of that has to do with who votes in New Hampshire. That group looks a lot different than what we see here in Iowa. It's more moderate voters, more independent voters, more of the folks that she has been targeting who've sometimes had a hard time uh, coming around to the former president. But the former president's definitely noticed. Donald Trump's been attacking her with ads in uh, New Hampshire. His PAC has been attacking her with ads in New Hampshire. He even reposted a false kind of birther claim suggesting that she wouldn't be eligible to serve as president. Of course, Nikki Haley, born in South Carolina, perfectly eligible. But it shows that the Trump team is paying very close attention to her rise in Iowa and in New Hampshire, Hoda. All right, Garrett Hegforce there in Des Moines. Garrett, thanks. Much more to get to. Craig joins us. Good morning. Mm -hmm. Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. We are now learning a bit more about the hospitalization of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. That was kept secret from both the president and the public, which led to a firestorm of criticism. We've got complete coverage this morning, starting with NBC's chief White House correspondent, Peter Alexander. Peter, good morning to you. Craig, good morning. This morning, the mystery surrounding Defense Secretary Austin's secret hospitalization has been resolved. He was being treated for prostate cancer. The good news, most importantly, Austin's doctors say that his prognosis is excellent. But it's really done nothing to erase the growing questions why Austin didn't tell the president about his diagnosis for a month and waited days before revealing that he was in the hospital this morning new details about the stunning communications failure after Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin spent days in the hospital without the White House or senior military officials knowing. Austin's doctors now say the 70-year-old four-star general was diagnosed with prostate cancer in early December, but that cancer diagnosis was not shared with top Pentagon officials or even the president until yesterday morning. For a situation like this, uh, to go as long as it did without the commander-in-chief knowing about it or the national security advisor knowing about it, or, or, or frankly, uh, other leaders at, at the Department of Defense. That's not the way this is supposed to happen. In a statement released Tuesday, Walter Reed Medical Center says Austin had surgery on December 22nd to treat and cure prostate cancer, receiving general anesthesia before he returned home the next morning. But on January 1st, Austin was rushed back to the hospital by ambulance with severe pain, suffering from an infection and the buildup of fluid in his small intestines, according to his doctors. The next day, Austin was moved to the ICU and transferred some authorities to his deputy, who was vacationing in Puerto Rico. But neither she nor the White House were told he was in the ICU until January 4th. And members of Congress, senior defense officials, and the military were not informed about Austin's hospitalization for yet another day, with the Pentagon initially saying Austin was in the hospital for an elective medical procedure. I think that he not only uh, was derelict in his duties, but he is also deceitful about it. This guy shouldn't be in charge of our military now. The Pentagon says it's now reviewing its procedures. Clearly, we could have done better, and we will do better. Still, despite the lack of transparency and ensuing fallout, the White House says the president plans to stick with Austin for the remainder of his term. 
This morning, Secretary Austin remains hospitalized, but his doctors do say that his infection has cleared. The recovery, they say, can be a slow process, but that he is expected to fully recover. Meanwhile, the president's chief of staff here at the White House is now directing all cabinet members to make sure their protocols for delegating authority are up to date and that they include notifying the White House. Craig. All right. Our chief White House correspondent, Peter Alexander. Peter, thank you. Let's turn to our NBC News medical mm -hmm. contributor, Dr. John Torres. How unusual is it to have complications following this procedure? So it's a, it's a procedure that's done very often, and the complication rate is very low, 5%. Some of the doctors we talked to said 1%. And so to see these kind of complications doesn't happen very often. But when they happen, it is a surgery, and it is what's considered a major surgery, even though they consider it minimally invasive because it was robotic-assisted. But complications can be what we saw here, which means that you needed a lot of attention, a lot yeah. of care. They say he's on the road to recovery. Uh, we heard Peter talk about it. He, you know, he could be out soon. But tell, tell us about that recovery. So his recovery is getting over two things. One, the surgery itself, the prostatectomy, removing the prostate, and that takes time. And that's going to be a recovery that's going to happen over months. And so he still has some a road to recovery there. The other recovery is what happened in the ICU and why he ended up yeah. in the ICU because of surgical complications. And that recovery should be fairly quickly for most of them, but there are going to be some long-term consequences he's going to be dealing with over the next months and possibly even a year or so. Hmm. Dr. John, again, to be clear, the secretary hasn't said precisely why he did not notify uh, all those folks, but Al Roker and I, Al thinks he had a, the same procedure a couple years ago. He and I were having this conversation about this, this particular part of the story. In communities of color, even in 2023, um, especially with people of a certain age, cancer can be a taboo topic. And then you add the layer of, of military service onto that. And then the treatments for prostate cancer, a lot of them can affect a man's perceived manhood as a doctor, have you encountered that? And, and what, what have you advised when you have? I've definitely encountered that. And that's one of the big fears that when men come in and they hear that word prostate cancer, number one, cancer, nobody wants to hear that word. Sure. But number two, prostate cancer, erectile dysfunction is the biggest thing they think about. And like you mentioned, the manhood. And so I talked to them about what, what the risks are for that, what's going to happen, how the recovery is, and now the things they have that could try and get around that and try and help them with that. But at the same time, try to encourage the fact that, you know, this is a life-saving procedure. And so we need to make sure we get rid of the cancer and treat whatever comes along Just afterwards. One quick thing, the, the Pentagon, when it did reveal, said it was an elective procedure. Just to be clear, I mean, that is technically true. Whether or not that's misleading is another question. But technically, any surgery that's not it, an emergency surgery is elective, even if it's a cancer surgery you, that you, you have, have to have to save your life. You have emergency, you need to do it right now. Yeah. Urgent, need to do it within the next couple of days. Elective, next few weeks. Elective does not mean optional. Yeah. It just um, means you can wait yeah. a little bit on it. Sure. All right, Dr. Dr. Torres, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Torres. Let's get back to the weather. Rest of Al's forecast. Good morning. All right, good morning, guys, and a good morning to you. And you can see snow and wind in the Pacific Northwest and into the Rockies. That's that storm that's going to make that cross-country trek ahead of it. Sunny and mild down through the Gulf, all the way down into the Florida Peninsula. We're looking at another windy day here in the Northeast with some light lake effect snow showers on the leeward side of the lakes. And that's your latest weather. Guys, thank you, Al. Still ahead, NASA's iconic space shuttle Endeavor preparing for one final adventure. Jacob Sobroff with an exclusive look at this historic event. Good morning. Savannah, good morning. You recognize this thing? This is one of the external fuel tanks to the United States space shuttle program. 
Normally we'd be seeing it vertically getting ready for launch. That's exactly what the plan is for this one and for the Space Shuttle Endeavour. It's going to be positioned here in California in a one-of-a-kind historic exhibit. We went inside the Space Shuttle itself. Some of the last people ever to do it. That's coming up in minutes right here on today. All right, Jacob, thank you. Plus, we've got some touching new tributes to Bob Saget. It's the second anniversary of his death. What his wife is now sharing as fans remember the beloved star. But first, this is Today on NBC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mr. Soprano? <clears throat> yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Very, very first scene from The Sopranos. The legendary show changed television. Guess what? That show is turning 25 today. God. So how old does everybody feel? I know. Oh, yeah. I still think it's HBO's new show. <laughs> Just ahead, we're going to celebrate Tony and his crew's impact on Hollywood, pop culture. And we will check out the new ways they are taking over social media, even restaurant menus, oh, guys. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Looking forward to that. We are going to start this half hour, though, with... An out-of-this-world display that's taking shape in Los Angeles. Yeah, for a groundbreaking new exhibit, the California Science Center is planning to lift a space shuttle into launch position. NBC's Jacob Sobroff has got there. He's got an exclusive first look. Hey, Jacob, good morning. Hoda, groundbreaking is the exact right way to describe this thing. This is the 154-foot-long external fuel tank that's been used in countless United States space shuttle missions. Of course, the space shuttle is no longer uh, in use anymore. But what's happening here today is this thing is going to go around the corner. It's going to take about two hours to be in position to then later be stacked vertically. After that, the space shuttle endeavor itself will be as well. It's going to be an exhibit that you will not see anywhere else in the world. Seven, six... The last time NASA's Endeavour space shuttle was in launch position... And liftoff for the final launch of Endeavour. It was on its final mission to space. Now, more than a decade later, Endeavour is about to embark on one last journey. 
as the California Science Center in Los Angeles prepares to lift the shuttle upright for a first-of-its-kind exhibit that will be the centerpiece to the museum's new Samuel Ocean Air and Space Center. So whose crazy idea was it to take it from this position and stand it up as if it's going to be launched? This is a vision that actually we had 30 years ago. We said the best way to display it would be a launch position. Not only the best position, but the most technically challenging position to possibly put it into. Absolutely true. This won't be the first time Endeavor makes a big move. In 2012, when the shuttle first returned home to California where it was built, Endeavor was flown atop NASA's shuttle carrier aircraft past the Golden Gate Bridge, and over the Hollywood Hills. Before a team of engineers helped inch the massive spacecraft through the streets of Los Angeles, a project my own dad worked on, and land at the California Science Center. Endeavor's next mission is even more complex, as the team meticulously stacks the space shuttle system piece by piece, starting with the aft skirts, then solid rocket boosters followed by the 154-foot external fuel tank, and finally the nearly 100-ton shuttle itself, all to create the only display of an authentic space shuttle system in the world. Oh, wow, this is cool. The museum's president, Jeffrey Rudolph, let us drop in on the construction project as the team lifted the last piece of the solid rocket boosters into place. So look at this. The workers are basically going to catch it and then fasten it to the top of the solid rocket booster. I've never seen anything like this. For an even better view, we climbed 15 stories. Heading up, 150 feet in the sky, let's go. To get a glimpse of what's to come. So the museum, quite literally, as you're moving these pieces into place, is being built around us. Yeah, we're actually putting in the shuttle, and then we'll finish the rest of the building around and above it. I made the mistake of saying you're going to drop the shuttle in. We're not going to drop it. We're going to lower it gently. <laughs> Very <carefully>. gently and <laughs> slowly. Before its final lift... So you can step up here. Okay. Project director and NASA veteran Dennis Jenkins let us get an exclusive last look inside Endeavor and crawl into the flight deck. This is the commander's chair. Where it's a tight squeeze into the front seat of history. This is one of the last times that anybody's gonna sit in these two chairs. It is probably the last time. What does it feel like for you to just be sitting in the seat one last time? I love it. I used to sit in that seat a lot because all my controls were overhead. Um, so it's great being up here. When this thing goes vertical, um, what's your hope for it? You know, how it's going to inspire a new generation of potential astronauts, the engineers. Yeah, it's the engineers I care more about than the astronauts. I mean, everybody wants to be an astronaut, but what we need is engineers, and hopefully this will inspire a bunch to go to school to be those things. The hope now that the final endeavor for this shuttle will launch new dreams of space exploration. Oh, Jacob, you got some incredible access there. Um, talk to us about the next steps in this process. Well, Hoda, in L.A., everybody's got a commute. They say 45 minutes minimum. This thing's got a two-hour uh, commute, as a matter of fact, around the corner in order to be stacked vertically. They say it's supposed to be done by the end of the week, but then the main event happens. Check this out. Maybe the best shrink wrap job in the entire world. This is the Space Shuttle Endeavor. It's open to the elements now because they're going to disassemble this structure around it. And over the course, uh, hopefully, of the next two weeks, if all goes as planned, this thing gets moved as well, stacked vertically. Then they have to build the museum around the entire stack itself, and that's not slated to open maybe for as long uh, as two years. It's going to be a, an extraordinary process to watch, and this is like geek central. It was amazing to be inside that thing, guys. Oh, we could tell by that look on your face. All right, Jacob, thank you so much. All right, still ahead. You're going you're to love this. Talk about geek central. Baby, Yo. Baby Yoda, perhaps on the big screen? Uh. 
This is the way, Savannah. Our <laughs> pop star Carson is going to tell us everything that we've learned about a new Star Wars movie in the works. Oh, I'm here for it. But first, how Bob Saget's wife, co-stars, and fans are paying tribute to the beloved actor and comedian two years after his sudden death. We're going to get to that and more after these messages. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Are you struggling to lower your bad LDL cholesterol, even though you may be taking a statin, swapping steaks for salads, and exercising while listening to this podcast? Ask your doctor if Repatha Evolocumab is right for you. With Repatha, you can dramatically reduce bad cholesterol and the risk of another heart attack while enjoying life, too, because you're human. And with convenient self-administration, you can take Repatha in the comfort of your own home. Do not take Repatha if you're allergic to it. Repatha can cause serious allergic reactions. Signs include trouble breathing or swallowing, or swelling of the face. Most common side effects include runny nose, sore throat, common cold symptoms, flu or flu-like symptoms, back pain, high blood sugar and redness, pain, or bruising at the injection site. Visit Repatha.com or call 1-844-REPATHA. Talk to your doctor today about Repatha. Welcome back. Hard to believe it has been two years now since beloved comedian and actor Bob Saget died. And this morning, those who knew him best are honoring his legacy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Chanel's here with more on Mm -hmm. that. Good morning. Good morning to all of you. Bob Saget's wife, Kelly Rizzo, says the two years since his sudden death feels like a week and an eternity all at the same time. And she's not alone in her grief. Just yesterday, the Full House cast gathered together to remember their late friend. And it was filled with tears, but also laughs. On the second anniversary of his death, Bob Saget's family and friends sharing new memories of the Hollywood legend. Saget's wife, Kelly Rizzo, writing a heartfelt message on Instagram, posting this photo of her late husband, saying she chose it because not only was it the last photo he shared and one of the last texts he sent me, but it perfectly encapsulates how he would want all of us to remember him with his guitar on a stage, doing what he loved to do, making people laugh, making people happy. Rizzo describing that last text message from Saget to Hoda one year after his death. I'm just very grateful that it was all, I love you so much. It was I think I said, I love you dearly. And he said, I love you endlessly. And then he Mm. said, I said, I can't wait to see you tomorrow. And then, you know, it was just all very, it was just all love. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. that is, that's beautiful, Kel. Saget died just hours after finishing a stand-up comedy performance in Florida two years ago. The medical examiner ruling the cause of death was head trauma, likely from an accidental fall. The comedian was a staple on 90s TV, best known for his role as Danny Tanner on the hit sitcom Full House. Saget's co-stars posting tributes on social media and gathering virtually yesterday to remember their late friend, sharing memories and reflecting 
on the beloved star's legacy. She continues to grieve. Kelly Rizzo says she's grateful for the love and support she is still getting from his fans. Writing on Instagram, I'm still blown away by the fact that Bob hasn't faded from all your hearts in the slightest. Thank you all for continuing to keep his memory alive. I mean, you can see in that video there, yeah. it is, it's still fresh in some ways. I was good to see his co-stars. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Chanel. Thank you, Chanel. All right, time for another check of the weather. Mr. Roker. Hey, guys. So not only is this late week storm going to cause problems as far as the weather, what you're seeing from the sky, but it's also going to be causing, bringing really frigid air south, the coldest air of the year so far. By Sunday, it's the coldest air of the season, anywhere from 20 to 40 degrees below average. Look at these temperatures. Minneapolis is going to be below zero by Sunday, single digits in Green Bay, single digits in Chicago and Kansas City. And look at the wind chills overnight, way down anywhere from minus 30 to minus 10 as far south as St. Louis. And that is your latest weather. Thank you, Al. Coming up, we're going to celebrate the Sopranos. Did you say the Sopranos? I say Sopranos. Okay, Sopranos. Sopranos, exactly 25 years after its premiere. Look back at some of our favorite moments with the cast and how TikTok is creating a whole new generation of fans. We'll have that story right after this. Uh, yes, we're back with Carson, and we're also back with a milestone moment in Hollywood. That's right, Craig. Exactly. 25 years ago today, The Sopranos premiered on HBO and, of course, quickly became appointment television. This was long before we had DVRs or spoilers to worry about on social media. Our own NBC's Joe Fryer is here with a look back at The Sopranos. Joe, good morning. First of all, by the way, The Sopranos, Sopranos debate. I was now, listening to episodes this say? week, and I kept hearing both. Oh, so what I didn't is have it? An so I've been an saying Sopranos, but maybe I'm wrong. Here's what I do know. Long before Taylor Swiss... Swift gave us the song Antihero. HBO gave us another antihero, and that is Tony Soprano. That character and the show were unlike anything we had ever seen on TV. Well, now the 25th anniversary is being celebrated in a variety of ways, from TikTok to Italian cuisine. Perhaps you woke up this morning realizing it has been 25 years since we first met Tony Soprano. You're not just in my life. You're my life. His family and his... Family. The New Jersey crime boss could be ruthless yet relatable with panic attacks and a lot of therapy. To commemorate the anniversary, HBO released never-before-seen footage from the show on the streaming service Max. You're just afraid she's going to find me irresistible, that's all. Doubtful. And a new TikTok page features 25-second recaps of some episodes. It's a series that raised the bar for TV, proving the small screen could be as complex and gritty as the movies. Five years ago, on the 20th anniversary, our Harry Smith sat down with the cast. Edie, did you think this thing had any chance at all? I never know. I had been wrong so many times about things I thought were great that nobody else could care less about. Yet the show lasted six seasons, winning 21 Emmys and helping usher in the era of prestige TV, pairing us for future anti-heroes, from Mad Men's Don Draper to Breaking Bad's Walter White. All thanks to the man who played Tony Soprano, the great James Gandolfini, who passed away in 2013. You, you people don't have any idea how great it was to work with James Gandolfini. He was the best. 17 years after it ended, with a scene that had many wondering if they forgot to pay the cable bill, The Sopranos is regarded as one of the greatest TV shows ever, ranking number one on Rolling Stone's recent list. A reminder, these Sopranos are still singing. 
Some of the cast is getting together in New York this week for what's being dubbed a family dinner, a private event, but some lucky guests are invited. And today, a Sopranos-inspired pop-up restaurant is actually delivering sandwiches in New York and L.A. through the app Postmates. And we have confirmed one of the items on one of the sandwiches, Tony's favorite cold cut, Gabagool. 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 It's Gabagool. Oh, it's how much time do we have? Meat. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's processed Sorry. meat. Don't ask what you don't want the answer. Isn't it hard to believe The Sopranos is only on for six seasons? That's yeah. insane. You know, like the yeah. voice has been on for 14 seasons. <laughs> when you think of like it shows, is. it's 21 Emmys. It's yeah. made such a large market in television history, but it was only on for such a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if you guys oh. killed people. <laughs> it would work. <laughs> they started it. Coming up, Simone Biles opening up about gymnastics and her break like never before. Yeah, and then comedy legend Tina Fey will be here. Google. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.